Welcome to episode 127 of the Outside Centre Film Podcast. And what a ragtag bunch of films we have here. Uh, I mean, it, it's all my fault, I admit. You know, as soon as I said we had a couple of good episodes, I got cocky and then I, my mouth ran with it. And I said, we are guaranteed uh, absolutely uh, world-class quality films every single episode. Ever since that's happened, it's not happened. But <laughs> what we can always guarantee, so I'm switching the goalposts, I'm changing up the narrative, is... We have got things to talk about. And we always will have films that we can at least talk about at length here on the Outside Centre Film Podcast, even if it's just one of us, like it was last time out with me and Ben. Here, well, as you will remember, a couple of episodes ago, when uh, Paul was last with me, uh, we reviewed Aurora, which was the most nominated film at this year's cancelled Yuzzy Awards. Uh, we didn't really get on with it that much, to be fair. So we agreed to review the second most nominated film from the awards, which is this one. Dogs Don't Wear Pants, uh, directed by J.P. Valkepar, and it's a BDSM film, basically. There's some, sort of med- there's some sort of medical professional who loses his wife in a drowning accident, uh, who kind of comes across a BDSM parlour after he takes his daughter to get her tongue pierced. Uh, he falls for a woman there, and the pair of them start to BDSM, basically. Uh, that's the film. Um, now, we are all adults here. We know what BDSM stands for. But for me, the letter B actually can be replaced by two other things. Now, one of them now and one of them later. Firstly, instead of bondage, let's call B boring. Now, considering the subject matter, this is a surprisingly boring film. Um, With next to no drama, no excitement, no cathartic moments at all. Now, in a way, I feel feel a bit heathenistic saying that for Finnish cinema because Finnish cinema is never exactly thrill a minute. Uh, but this was just such a bland film that it actually didn't feel finished whatsoever for me. It could have been made anywhere in the world. Secondly, let's call the bee bizarre. And I'm referring to the last 20 minutes, Paul, because the story kind of develops. You know, he he eventually thinks, right, I've got to get out of this. It's getting a bit too intense. Uh, it's getting a bit too warped. Um, so he, he tries to get with the more, shall we say, regular woman. Uh, and whatever, you know, he ends up having a, a violent episode one way or another and essentially he's kind of, he's out all night one time. And uh, when he gets back from being out all night one time, he goes back to his, he goes back to his apartment and there's like um, their equivalent of Cheerios cereal all over the floor. Like, as if to symbolise that because the father was out all night, his teenage daughter was completely incapable of making herself breakfast in the morning without spilling cereal all over the floor. Uh, just weird really really things like that throughout the film that are just weird uh and as for the final scenes which you know not necessarily going to spoil they're they make zero sense to me either as if you know this character is somewhat now liberated you know he's, he's gone through this in some sort of journey he's now liberated he kind of ends up in a club dancing to some music in an extremely awkward unnatural manner which is painful to watch paul as painful as some of the bdsm that was going on uh, the whole thing just doesn't make any sense. The journey wasn't believable. The characters weren't believable. And I have to say, I actually preferred a war report. I can't recommend this this film at all. Yeah, I'm the exact same. I, I was like, uh, I was absolutely bored of it as well. Uh, I'm, I was actually quite uh, happy myself. I Well, how do you say it? I actually get through the whole movie because of certain times I was like, switch us off, switch us off. It is purely an art house movie. Uh, and I think a bit like uh, when we talked about Emma a few episodes ago, I think Mubi, which Amazon would have been a perfect uh, platform for it, 
because even the the avid art house fan would be like, right, what's what's this all about? What's you the know? point? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And you know, and I'm just like, right. See, when it comes to films uh, or TV shows, I try and watch them before I start hearing all the hype. The hype. I'm going to admit, I like The Walking Dead. But I get into The Walking Dead before the hype started, and that's probably Sorry. why I'm... Yeah, that's probably why I'm still with it. I'm not one of these hipsters that thought, oh, I need to like The Walking Dead. Let's get into it. You know, so... It, it, well, I used to, I used to rent, I used to rent, rent The Walking Dead from a discs on Love film. Oh, jeez. <laughs> that's that's how one of the originators I, that's how original I am, and then everybody else jumped onto it, and then the quality went down. So that tells me everything I needed to know, basically. <laughs> yeah, well, what I do every year is uh, I watch each series uh, in between no series, and then the time I get to the final episode of the previous series, it start the new series. But obviously, everything's different this year. Yeah, so obviously we started hearing all me maybe heard up. Oh, this this is uh, the critics saying this is a fantastic blah blah blah, and, and I thought God, I, I I knew in the top of the back of my head I'm not going to like this. Uh, so yeah, it's it is an uncomfortable watch as well, uh, and it, <laughs> not what I thought of is like, not that old uh, British movies that I was I saying in it, uh, no sex please with British. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking something like that, and it, 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 and it goes back also when a dad taking his daughter to a, which was basically a sex parlour to get a, a, a tongue pierced, I thought, my God, the finish are very open with, with things, and especially when she, she, it was at the point where, they, where I think this is when he discovers, mm, I like what happened to her, the, 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 the female dominatrix, if you like to call her. Uh, when he gets his first experience of the BDSM, and she and his daughter walks in, going, "What are you doing down there?" And like, if that was happened here, they'd be like total embarrassment, and uh, you'd be, be shown up. But there, it was just like, "Come on, let's go." She didn't even question anything. I thought, right, this is. If anything, that that was the only thing I got out is how open uh, Finnish, but I'd probably say Scandinavian as well, taking yeah, Norway yeah. and Sweden, how open dirty things, but definitely sexually, you know, as well. But I was just like, what was the whole point in this? Oh, to me, the point I got out of this film is you've got a grieving man who just wants a, a, a shoulder to cry on and then move on. I, that was the only sort of thing I got out of it. Don't get me wrong. I like to begin in the beginning. It was, it was like a, a prologue. Like don't don't look now. You know, with Nicholas Rogue, that type of thing. And I thought, well, this might be promising. Uh, and then, then it's slowly and slowly, it, it just keeps going. And I'm like, right, what, what's this about? Though, if you see the bit after the grief when he, you see him doing the ironing and doing little things, it was a little. Like, I, I thought there were little. What do you call them? Uh, Easter eggs. Of the type of things that's coming, like things that, yeah, if you were into BDCM, you may use at some point. Maybe not, maybe not the iron, but you know, but as in reference to pain. But I'm just like, right, what's what, what, what's this film about? That 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 sort of area, and after I did forward on a few bits. I mean, the the daughter's a problematic character because she doesn't really add anything. No. Um, you, you think there's going to be some sort of storyline about either her kind of being like a dad or her, you know, whatever. But yeah. actually, she, she just ends up being 
she again the cereal thing was weird. That didn't make any sense. Like, does that mean that she can't pour her own cereal because her dad's such a <laughs> dad's into BDSM? Like, did it make sense? She she had this like random relationship with a skinhead kind of biker, I think, at this film at some point. But that doesn't really develop into anything at all. I mean, the only BDSM we as the viewer have got to look forward to in this movie, Paul, is actually being strangled to death by boredom. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I mean, honestly, there, there is so little that happens in this movie. There's no. It, I would love to tell you that there are some scenes that are genuinely kind of worth watching, or that any that stick in my mind. There's there's a general theme of darkness and and kind of color a little bit. Yeah. But and I mean a little bit, probably a few minutes to the entire film. It's not a long film. No. One hour forty. So it's in that sweet spot of one hour twenty, one hour forty. Uh, but I had to watch it in two parts. Like that, that that's basically unheard of for me. Like it's so disappointing. As I said, I actually preferred Aurora. It, it felt more finished to me. It had more finished humour in it than this did. Yeah. Now, there's also a very small part of me that thinks that. I mean, let, let let's also be clear. Mark Kermode reviewed this film, so if he reviews yeah. a film, it's always it's never worth watching. But <laughs> um, you know, dogs don't wear pants unless it's actually a deliberate satirical piss take on BDSM. Because you have got a guy that's like very plain looking, um, you know. He the, like he basically looks around, he looks with glasses. He, he walks around wearing glasses, like running around in a neck brace as well. And, <laughs> and, and that and that like he he uses a neck brace to gain entry into a club. Like uh, uh, the joke's lost on me. If it is a joke, it's completely lost on me. Maybe that means something for Finnish people, but it doesn't mean anything for me, no. Paul. Um, no. I mean, here's another thing. I refuse to give up. <laughs> I yeah. am not giving up. There's one more thing we can try for Finnish cinema this year, and we're going to do it next time we meet up. Um, we're yeah. going to do it in, in episode 129 because uh, we haven't done the, the Finnish uh, foreign language Oscar entry yet. So if we've seen the, the film that it thinks deserved to win uh, best Oscar for foreign language, best foreign language film Oscar, if we do that, and then we do the two most nominated films from the Yussi Awards, if all three films suck, then we can officially say it's been a terrible year for Finnish cinema. Um, yeah. So how does that sound? We'll do that next time? Yeah, yeah, that sounds perfect. But what I'll say to anyone is the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover. Obviously, don't judge the name. Be, be very, very careful with the name. It sounds like something for the Disney Pixar back catalogue. As well, you know, so don't, uh, I made that mistake years ago with uh, an anime, I used to love anime when I was younger, uh, I'll say it's Legend and Overfiend, if you know your anime, you know that, uh, that's uh, one you would watch with caution. Yeah. But actually, well, yeah. actually, but actually, there's probably more, there's probably more actual BDSM in that anime than there was in this actual <laughs> film now. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So that, that, that's what we'll do. If you want BDSM in movies, go and watch, <laughs> go and watch that piece of anime. What was it, The Legend of? The Legend of the Overfiend, there's a couple of the, I'm not going to pronounce the first name, but the Legend of the Overfiend is the English part of the name. Uh, that's the one. Uh, it's very, very, uh, be careful as you watch it, that's all I'll say. <laughs> Lots of demons and tentacles, and if you know that type of anime, oh, yes, anime yes, yeah, you, you know what I'm talking about. I do, I do, I've seen some of that stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you get more out of that than uh, yeah. dogs don't wear pants, that is for sure. Yeah. Legend of the Overfiend, there you go, right. Um, let's move on to Italy, shall we? Paul, yeah. tell us about Paradise. Yeah, Paradise, or Una Nuova Vita, or A New Life, is its Italian's name. Uh, it starts in... I mean, uh, but, but, sorry, just jump in there. That, that's already strange to me. Like, yeah. a, a, a Nuova Vita is a new life, which is not Paradise. So why did they just call the film A New Life? 
Very, very strange. Exactly. Uh, Because what I will say is the place you stay is the name of the, the... The... the, the film. So it's basically, we start now with uh, Sicily. Uh, there's a character called Caligero. Uh, he, he, he gets put in a witness protection scheme because what happened is he's seen a mafia killing in his home village. So the protection scheme sends him to the furthest place it can send him. It's right up to the, the Italian Alps, to the Alpine, northern Italy, the Alps, and there, the, and it's to a little tiny village. Uh, and he's absolutely bored, you know, he's, uh, it's like folk dancing, uh, he's selling, is it granita, I think it is, you know, the, the ice, the flavoured ice yeah. as well, he, he, he's bored, he's lonely, he's missing he, missing home, you know, uh, but the thing is, he's not the only person to start a new life up there, the killer of the murder that he witnesses, uh, he actually gets arrested and becomes an informer for the police. And guess what? He's sent to the same village. So obviously when he sees him, he, he thinks he's there to kill him and he starts getting paranoid, you know, and he think, but the weird thing is, uh, they start an unlikely friendship. Uh, and basically, obviously, it's one one person is hiding from the mafia, the other ones are facing his, uh, his past as well. So basically... It's how to describe it. So when the day meet, it's a film of irony. That's what it is. It's a film of irony and drama. Because when they do eventually meet, can you guess what the killer's name is? Caligero. And right away, because Caligero, right away, he knew the killer knew right away. Uh, our main characters also for Sicily because obviously Caligero must be a Sicilian name yep. as well. So they're wondering why is two guys from the southern Italy with the weather's absolutely gorgeous up in the north in the middle of the snow as well. As you, if I remember rightly, you you've uh, when we're doing the 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 the, the, the other Italian film, uh, you you've lived in Italy as well, so you might have. Uh, yeah, you you'll know you'll know Italian humour is very very basic. It's very simple. It's not overly complicated. They laugh at anything. You could be sitting there and you, you could have an Ital- couple of Italian folks next to it and they'll be rolling with laughter. Uh, so as when it comes to humour in this film, uh, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's very Italian. I know it sounds cheesy because it's a Italian movie. The, the humour is very targeted Italian. It's not like... You do get sometimes get world cinema films where the humour is very international. Yeah, a bit, a bit like the last film where the it doesn't feel like a finished film, where you could say it could have an international appeal. This one is purely Italian. Yeah. I mean, the the, the humour is like for the dancing. They do this alpine dancing where they turn the the guys turn one guy upside down and then they're sort of hitting their backsides. Is he dancing around? That's the type of humour. It's like fake fighting type thing because right away, uh, Caligero, the main character, he makes a comment. He makes a comment about them, and that, that's when he suddenly gets into the dancing himself as well. But slowly as it eventually, the two main men meet, they, they, they get to know a lot about each of them. And I don't know what to say this because the killer does reveal something about himself. Do you know the bit I'm talking about? As in he opens yep, himself yep. up to him. Uh, I won't say it just in case anyone wants to say it, but he opens up and they start getting very friendly friendly here. Do you know what? Uh, other, other bits of the humour is 
when he realises that's the killer, it's when he, he, he dyes his hair blonde. That's another bit where Italian humour where they'll just people just be rolling in laughter. And he start all the way you say, he stands on like a sore thumb in this small village. Caligero's get like very wavy, wavy dark hair, but he becomes blonde. Yeah. Also, he doesn't help himself when he introduces himself to the locals. I'm the Sicilian. Who's to say one of the locals is not a local? He's a hitman or a hit woman. I should say, you know, it's like the how would you say? It? Remember, Dom Jolly used to stand behind a big poster. Do not trust this man. That 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 that's basically what it was like, you know. And they described this as a comedy. I wouldn't really call it a comedy. It was more. I think the strongest was when it was the the drama. Uh, would you maybe call it a like a drama day? Maybe I would maybe put it towards that. But it's not necessarily outright funny, but it has it has funny moments and it has drama. I will say it is I prefer this day. Obviously, the, the last film we've just uh, reviewed. Yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't the strongest film, but it, you knew you knew exactly what the film aim was. Was this guy? Uh, one of the things I found uh, Caligero as in the, the was he's a he was a very frustrating character because if you, you, you find it quite hard to connect with him, but at the same time you can understand why as well, and it, it left the, the the door opened for what direction the film can go. It was a slip. Yeah, it was predictable, but it was also slightly unpredictable because there were certain times you think it was going in that direction, and then it suddenly went in opposite direction as well. Yeah, it was a drama with a lot of emotion, maybe a bit of comedy. It was like waiting that, but it was definitely plenty of irony because irony, I would say, is a dicky focus of Italian humour as well. Yeah, I mean, this is a film directed by David Adel Degan, uh, a first-time feature maker, uh, having made documentaries and shorts previously. Um, and the problem is it sure as hell feels like that this is the film of a first-time filmmaker. Uh, I'm actually recommending it, Paul, because this yeah. really is a fascinating look for all of you uh, on how to get things wrong on your debut feature film. Um, you know, there is so much wrong with this film. It's biggest problem, yeah. and there are many, as I say. Uh, and people would have heard me say this a few times. I don't like films that don't follow its own logic. Like, you've mentioned the bleach blonde hair. The whole point of being on a witness pro protection program is that you do nothing to stand out in the crowd. Exactly. So, You've mentioned his hair. You neglected to mention his fucking multicolored jumpers. Oh, jeez, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that... Nobody in Sicily looks like that. And again, <laughs> that believe me. And again, that is probably again Italian humour. Therefore, and it's actually I think there's there's a bit in there regarding the north-south divide in Italy. Like they are actually taking the piss out of Calagero um, because. I mean, they speak German in the north anyway, because it's obviously in the border of Austria and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they do the shoe platter, the dance uh, that you mentioned about slapping thighs with, with your soldier shoes and stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's that's that particular. I mean, there's a few Italian folk dances like that, but the one referenced in this film is the German one. Um, but what actually happens in, in northern Italy when people from Naples or from the south actually visit northern Italy, uh, they do tend to stick out. Therefore, when they when they see them, they will actually speak to them in German because they know that they don't understand German because they just don't want to speak to the dirty southerners. Quote unquote. <laughs> uh, I say quote unquote because I've heard it myself. I've seen it. So uh, yes, that's what that's about, and that's pretty much a little bit of a I, that made me rise smile for a bit. But um, that's again with the knowledge that I bring to it, having been there. However, 
for me, again, it just doesn't work in the film. Because uh, if you if you ever if you let films wash over you, then it won't bother you. But if you actually like, obviously, we're film critics and stuff and 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 whatever. But we're in that sense, we are all film critics. We all take a look at yeah. a scene and go, "Well, that doesn't make sense." Because if you're trying to hide, blah 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 blah. So that didn't work. And for me as well, Paul, he was just a bit too childlike, really. It, like, it, it was overacted kind of throughout. It's a character that doesn't really look the part. And I don't think he was able to actually play the part that well. I just couldn't get on with him. He was just a little bit odd. Uh, the ending, likewise, is ridiculous. Again, not going to spoil it, but he decides to do something which does not add up at all. Um, that, I mean, that's that's one set of problems. The next thing is tone. And then, yeah, you, you kind of couldn't decide whether it was drama or, or, or comedy. And neither can I. It, it's kind of all over the place, it, which very, very rarely actually works. It can do if you have a mixture of genres. Um, or a mixture of tones is more the point. But generally, only when there's two going on. Um, you know, for example, a classic example is dark humour in horror movies. That, generally speaking, works very, very well. Because uh, you, you need that humour to take away from some of the horror. And then when the horror comes back, you, you know, the, the thing keeps repeating itself and it's quite interesting. Um, here, I never quite got what the film was setting out to achieve. It's a film that kind of veers between being frantic Romantic, com- uh, comedic, violent, back to romance, paranoia, romance again. Like, what's the goal here? Don't quite get it. The third thing is for me is pacing. Um, you just don't get the time to learn about anything, Paul. Like he yeah. meets. He, you mentioned the Sicilian man that he meets. Obviously, the, uh, the person who he's actually been protected from, essentially, is in the residential block and stuff. Which is, you know, the, the romance happens, which is just odd, it, it, and it feels a bit false to me as well. Um, it kind of blossoms, but then the kind of whole thing suddenly ends, doesn't it, as well? So as much as it happens relatively quickly, yeah, it ends even more quickly. When uh, Calagero, the one who came there first, not the killer one, the other one, is, re- is reunited with some people in Slovenia. And it's like, well, what the hell happened to the previous half an hour then? <laughs> yeah. So you, you made the effort of building all that relationship, this sort of blossomed romance up, and then literally... Within one and a half scenes, Calagero, multicolored, bleach blonde Calagero, is in Slovenia with people, and we won't spoil who that is. But it's like weird. Like again, just to pull the plug on it, on it when everything kind of just happens, it's just odd. Um, so you know, what else can I actually say, Paul? Yet again, it's you know, plain. It's kind yeah. of you know, it's illogical. It's totally inconsistent. It's badly paced. It actually offended me a lot less than Isaac from Lithuania that we did last time. Yeah. And as I say, I actually enjoyed this more than Dogs Don't Wear Pants, um, which is really an indictment of Dogs Don't Wear Pants because this is a bad film, Paul. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I think it's saving grace. It's only an hour and 20 minutes long as well. And talking to the, the people who he meets in Slovenia, uh, one of them says something to him, and it left me thinking... Are they mafiosid as well? Oh, okay. Yeah, because uh, his reaction uh, is, uh, I'm thinking, right. He says he sorted everything. And I'm thinking, right, are they a, a rival family? And and I, and I think that maybe why Caligero, what he does at the end, goes in that direction. That's the only thing I else I can uh, think of that, but it, it, le- it opened a lot of doors, but it left a lot of them opened, rather than closing them. 
that's just an uh, impression I got from that. You're right. I enjoyed this a lot, lot better than the dogs don't wear pants because uh, because there wasn't any hype to it. There wasn't any hype to it as well. And I think uh, the guy, the, the main killer girl, did you ever, I don't know if she's reviewed it, did you just reveal Tale of Tales, the Italian sort of fantasy movie? Uh, like, that, yeah, it made film of the year, actually. Yeah, when it came out. Well, he 20, was twenty seventeen or something. Yeah, he was what he was. He was one of the characters in that. Apparently, one of the main characters. Right, completely it's, forgot that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, I remember watching it in a press screening uh, as well, and and that's so I kept saying I remember, I remember him for somewhere, and it was that film as well. That was the one where was it Salma Hayek or something was in it. it was some it was somebody who wasn't Italian. It was an Italian film, but I don't. I can't. I wasn't. I can't remember. It was that. It was partly oh, the, 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 the greatest British actor of all time, Toby Jones, was in it. So, so he yeah. was. I forgot that's that's how long ago that was, you know. Yeah, but she said it is far better than Dogs Don't Wear Pants, but it's a very flawed movie. Yeah, you don't need either of them in your life, I'd say. Um, no. if you get if you get desperate, choose the Italian one. Um, it's yeah. you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> whatever. The Whistlers. Yes. The Whistlers. So it's my film of the week. Uh, so to, uh, I mean, what choice do we have, honestly? Um, so The Whistlers went to Cannes 2019. It was also the Romanian foreign language Oscar film for 2020, uh, as well as it winning the GOMO Award for Romanian Film of the Year, which happened literally a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, hey, we're on trend, if nothing else. <laughs> uh, I don't rate the film as much as all of those people do. But, as I say, it's my film of the week. It's about a mafia whistleblower called Christy who goes to La Gomera Island in Spain in order to learn the Silbo Gomero whistling language, uh, which is basically done entirely by whistling, which enables communication over great distance. Because uh, La Gomera Island in the Canary Islands is basically vast. Uh, and there's, there's houses are just separated by apps. There ain't that many on there, and they're all completely separated by vast amounts of valleys and stuff. So, and it's a real language; it's a real thing. It's still going on right now as we speak, as we speak, but they whistle. <laughs> it's uh, you know, so yeah, he, he goes over to he goes over there to learn that, so he can essentially converse with mobsters uh, in secret to kind of get the head mafia boss Zolt out of prison. Um, you know, don't get me wrong, like. I'm not going to be overly positive about this film, but I'm also going to try and keep things sort of toned down in terms of the criticism because it is film of the week after all. Um, there are lots of little things about this film I do quite like. One of them is the Silbo Camero whistling language. Um, as I say, it's been used to this day uh, and, it's, and it's a real thing. And the, the fact that uh, I don't know how much, how much of this was actually done by the, the cast and crew of this film, or at least obviously the, the cast. Uh, because on the credits at the end, uh, they reveal that there's all, there are three uh, Silbo Gamero whistling coaches that were hired for this film. So whether those are the ones that are doing the whistling for the three characters that predominantly do the whistling, whether it was their whistles and they just dubbed them in, or they actually got the actors to learn it, uh, either way, interesting. And that in itself is authentic and original. So I like that. Um, and to link that into a police thing, a mafia thing, and, and, and a thriller and stuff, Again, authentic and original. I like it. Um, there's also plenty of tributes to the medium of film in this movie, Paul. Yep. Uh, it's got a thing about westerns. Uh, so, again, I don't mind that in movies. It's okay. They don't really overdo it. They just kind of have it 
little bit here and there. Um, very clearly, the director who I'll come on to in a bit likes his westerns and likes his classic westerns. Well, fine, that's your prerogative as director. If you want to do that, do that. No offence from is taken from me on that. Um, the problem for me, though, Paul, for this one, is that it's the genre and the film was never therefore going to succeed massively for me. I'm not really a fan of crime dramas, if you will. They've never quite done it for me. It rarely has done, very rarely does, and very rarely will. I get a little bit confused with who is who. And, and this is this is a problem with world cinema in that sense. Um, because it, I think it, knowing faces really well and, and stuff would help. Um, and little mannerisms and things. Like It's very clear in the Western way when we do these films, they always make very stereotypical, distinctive kind of looks. So the bad guy most definitely looks like a bad guy. He's either got a moustache or he's grey or he's wrinkled or something. So we just know the person is a bad guy. Whereas here, I actually get quite confused about who's police, who's mafia, who's both. Um, and there's quite a few characters to remember as well. But again, that's as, as I've mentioned for years on this thing, I've always struggled with that. So uh, my brain is just not particularly programmed for these kind of films. So that's entirely personal. Some people will probably take to it like a Dr. Water. That's fine. Uh, as per the genre, fans of the genre, there are a few twists and turns, some of which are predictable. In fact, I'd probably say most of them are predictable. But I think there's maybe maybe one that is a bit more surprising. Maybe. It depends how good your brain is for this kind of thing, as I say. Uh, you get your usual double crossing between police mafia and mafia police. So uh, what else can I say? Basically, if you like crime dramas between two rival groups, you will feel at home with this movie. There's English in there for people that hate subtitles. But if you hate subtitles, why would you be listening to us? Because <laughs> we are a world cinema podcast. But anyway, some people if you want, to, if you want to break for them, then they're there anyway. So uh, yeah, there you go. The story itself doesn't really do anything different uh, other than the whistling, which I will repeat because it's worth saying is authentic and is original. Uh, basically... Everything else has been done many times elsewhere, Paul. So not much else can really say. It's a Romanian take on a very well-trodden genre. Uh, but that's it, really. So uh, take from that what you will. Yeah, yeah. But see, see, when you, you sent me the movies, you wouldn't believe it. I just reviewed it. <laughs> the review isn't online yet because it's uh, it's causing artificial eye or releasing it. Uh, the first Monday of next month. I believe it's on Curzon Home Cinema at the moment. It is, it is. It's been on Curzon Inc. since June, but to actually buy the DVD or the Blu-ray, uh, it's uh, next month. So obviously, that's another one of the movies I watched. Uh, I actually watched it back-to-back with the movie you and Ben reviewed last week uh, about Endless. That was a sort of back-to-back movies uh, uh, to watch. Uh, the director, uh, Coronelu Porumboyu, yep. <laughs> that's quite good for me. He, he, he's a big player in uh, Romanian New Wave, and anyone that knows Numen- Roman- Romanian New Wave is very, very dull, very, I called it miserabilism as well. And, and people who are maybe, that I would say this is probably his most commercial film to date. No doubt. Uh, yeah, so right away, even in the first few minutes, we hear the Eggy Pop song, a passenger, you know, right away, it's complete. It's, this is not going to be another remaining new wave. And obviously, the colour, the colour scheme, if you've ever seen, I mean, uh, the director, he did a film called Police Objective in 2009, which is probably his most famous film, if you, if you noted the genres. Uh, that's very, very drab, very dull, which you do see in bits when they're in uh, Bucharest. Uh, scenes in Bucharest as well 
So, uh, so it's not very, it's not your gloomy greys. There's a lot of yellow and blue skies in there as well. Uh, what I liked about it is I'm a big fan of film noir, and I would say the director is as well, along with the westerns. And there's a lot, a lot of Easter eggs or homage to them. The, the most obvious is uh, the, the female lead. Her name's Gilda, which happens to be uh, the titular character of the Rita Hayworth film of the same name, Gilda, in 1946. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's your classic femme metal. Beautiful. She's, uh, if you've ever seen old film noirs, the, 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 the women are always there with the, the, the cigarettes, smoking sets. She's there. And she easily seduces Christy, who's uh, the main character. Uh, who's also starred in a lot of Purim Boyu's uh, other movies as well. I believe some people think The Whistles is slick, regard this as a, a bit of a sequel to that police ejector because he plays the same partner, plays the same character in Police Ejector of the Christie, the, the main character in this one as well. Uh, obviously, there is a lot of multi layers in there, and there's, obviously, there's homage to Austin Wells' Touch of Evil. Uh, Fritz Lang films and even a little bit of Alfred Hitchcock as well. The, I would say the Touch of Evil one is probably in the hotel where Christy goes to get something there with the, with the music playing in the background. That's a little bit like there's a scene in Touch Evil where Charlton Heston's character says to his wife, stay in this hotel and a lot of things happen in that hotel, which a lot of things do happen in this one. Uh, yeah, you're completely correct about the the, the double the double uh, crossing. I would actually say sometimes I would say triple crossing as well. Yeah. Because uh, uh, I, I don't, I, you can see that as a positive and a negative as well. Uh, but as in another saving grace, it's only ninety minutes long, and if you know remaining remaining new rave, they're anything for two to three hours long. And they're very slow paced. This is very fast paced. There, there is one scene, it's the end scene. Uh, they go to another destination. I won't say anything about it. That bit says, What was that? And they sit and they watch something. And, and, and I'm like, What was the whole point of that? Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, I that, yeah, yeah, I, I really hated that actually, thinking about it. It was just like. <laughs> Just, just because you have something in your head that seems like a good idea, yeah. don't do, don't do it unless you actually think about it. Like they obviously had some spare cash yeah. so they, they, in the budget. They, went, they thought, well, we, we, we've already been in a in a in a horrible Canary Island. I mean, why don't we just go and reward ourselves with a more exotic destination? You know, yeah. uh, I say with no irony at all. It's bizarre, weird, and yeah, I think... I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan. I, I, I basically, I, I prefer the two, three hour slow paced. Yeah, uh, greyish kind of Romanian new wave. This for me is not what I want Romanian cinema to be. Yeah. Um, although I haven't said that, Paul, uh, I really want to pay tribute to the film's first 20, 25 minutes, maybe half an hour. Yeah, me and because because me... it, it really does set everything up so nicely. Like it because it, it, at that point there's only a couple of characters in it, and it kind of separates them into chapters almost. Um, and it's like right, I get this, and the language is introduced, the whistling. Uh, and you see, you see the practice and the training for this language. Um, and I don't know about you, but I also tried to do it whilst I was watching the film, Paul. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and, and, and I actually got, it took me ages, but I actually got a little bit of whistle out of it. 
but, but not enough to sustain over a valley. <laughs> so I think I'd have to go jump in the ocean in Bromsgrove or something. To to but um, no, it's uh, so again. I don't want to be overly harsh. I really, really no. don't. Um, but uh, yeah, the first half an hour was great. The rest of it just then turns into, oh yeah, I've seen this before. Uh, and I remembered why I don't like it before and I don't particularly like it here. Um, and actually, you can overdo it with paying tribute to stuff. Yeah. Um, it, I mean, a little bit here and there uh, is fine. But when, when you go when you go too much, it kind of makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. Like, you know, that Cornelio... Poran Boyu has got some real delusions of grandeur here that he is representing the entire history of cinema in his one film. Uh, and it's like, no, calm down a bit. It, you, you're not really. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're not the only one that likes classic films, uh, you know, classic westerns and stuff. Um, and it's like, well, it's up to me to do it kind of thing. It's like, well, not really. Uh, I suggest that he would need to watch some other films too, uh, probably including the one that he was put next to in the double bill that you watched um yes. you know because there's a guy that's you know just understands film as well and he, he doesn't have to n- obviously name check it as much he doesn't have yeah. to go down that route to make his point whereas obviously Cor- Cornelius does so um anyway that's that's just a little moan the, i mean what the, the thing the, the worst apparent plot twist in this film uh which i saw happening about 45 minutes before it happened was how classical music was used. Yeah. Um, that was atrociously done, actually. That was really, really not nuanced. Like, that was so obvious to me that, oh, right, okay, so that person is a bit shady. Like, I just knew, and obviously we won't say who that person is. Yeah. But um, no, that was poor. So, again, I, I, I would have been more than happy to have forgiven a lot of the film's faults had it genuinely done a world-class job at the genre. But I don't actually think that's the aim. The aim isn't here to make a fantastic police mafia, mafia police film. As you say, it's to follow on from a film that this director's previously done. And it's to follow on, so to continue uh, the, the, the new wave and kind of take it to a new direction. So yeah. that's what the film's about. That's fine. That's up to him. He's the director. So uh, whether you want to watch this or not, well, I think we've said enough. Yeah, people make their own minds up. Really, um, would I want to see it again? Not especially, though. I do think I'll probably be more patient second time round, knowing that I now that I've seen the whole story and I know about the characters and who everyone is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Obviously, when you're watching it, it's a little bit confusing because it's happening live. But now that I know who everyone is and who everyone belongs to, doesn't belong to, and then belongs to, um, I can go right. Okay. Let's see if that adds anything to the to the bit at the beginning, the previous bits, yeah. uh, and I might actually be able to follow it in a lot more relaxed way instead of being on the edge of my seat, going right, who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Are you Zolt? Are you not Zolt? Like you know, um, yeah. and why do you all look the same? Doesn't help. But um, anyway, uh, do you know what? I, I I think see the Italian movie. I think this is what the Italian movie was trying to get because there's a bit where the the, the person who's trying to go to jail. In Romania, the the matches seller. It, it reminds me of sort of thing. That I think the Italian movie was trying to get. It. As in the characters, the best, the, the, probably the most straightforward character was his, was the main character's mum. She was the only sort of believable character, you know. Well, but but then what I thought was interesting is that she looked very very similar to the femme fatale. As yes. Well. 
Yes. So I, I I don't know whether that was a point as well. Uh, the the kind of the, the long black hair and stuff. But um, yeah. I, and it should be said. I mean, it should be said. I mean, I do want to end on a try and end on, but on a bit of a positive note. I know for a fact that at least eighty percent of our entire listenership are male. Yeah. Uh, and whilst that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's that that everyone is heterosexual, the femme fatale is a very attractive woman in this she movie. Is. And you yeah. see, you see a fair, you see quite a bit of At her. The beginning. Yeah, you see quite a bit of her. So the, that's one for us. If that's your thing, you will also enjoy that. So uh, there's that as well. Um, which again, more of that would have been welcome in the BDSM film Dogs Don't Wear Pants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but and we just don't get any of that. So no. basically, the fact that that film has penetrated the other three, the other two reviews we've had to do this week uh tells you everything about that film really but uh there you go yep that is it so uh me and ben will be with you next time uh and then obviously paul will be back where we're gonna have our final stab at finished oh <laughs> yes uh it, it, i mean it, uh, hey I, I, it cannot be it cannot be worse than dogs don't wear pants it simply can't be yeah <laughs> so even and, 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 and if it has to be that the the that the humor in Aurora is what makes Finnish cinema this year. Fine. I'd rather have that than dogs don't wear pants and any potential disaster that uh, I think Stupid Young Heart is the name of the film from the Finnish uh, language Oscar entry. So we, we, we will have something to say about Finnish cinema this year. Uh, whether it's an entirely great film or not, well, that would be she? nice. But at <laughs> least we've got a little bit of Finnish humour in a movie that has existed at some point. Not here today. Uh, but that's it anyway as I say so me and Ben will be back in a few weeks so take care until then and uh, speak to you soon bye bye